All right, everybody, it's on. Let's get ready for church. Praise the Lord. A little faster. It's good to be in church this morning. I'm thankful uh, that we have a, such a great church to come to. I was thinking, I, I love having a church that, that I, I used to come here uh, many, many, many years ago, and it, it really hasn't changed. And I'm thankful to have a church that, that hasn't changed, and I know people change, and and uh, I'm thankful that we serve a God that doesn't change, the doctrine doesn't change, and just stays the same. Yes. And uh, I remember sitting right there where uh, Sister Zila sat, and uh, I felt the pull of the Holy Ghost to come down here and to pray at this altar when I was probably 14 or 15, and I rejected that and I left, and I did not do it. But I'm so thankful that years later, I'm still thankful no matter how long it was that He called me again yeah. to get saved. And I'm glad to be here, I'm glad to be saved, I'm glad to be changed and different. I was thinking about um, the area that we that we've been going to, Spruce and Pine, and uh, we were we were out there two weeks ago, and uh, it didn't go well at all. People were kind of everywhere, and it wasn't paying attention, it wasn't listening. Um, it was just different. Usually, usually they come, they pray, they cry. All this stuff was um, was just different this time. And and as I was passing back, I felt the Lord deal with me to uh, to you know don't go back out there anymore. And I was thinking, man. And then Teresa called me like two seconds later and she asked me that exact same question. Do you think we ought to go back out there? And I'm thinking, man, the, the thing about what just happened, right? Those people had such a great opportunity, such a great chance, right? And I believe that God was calling somebody out there because God's not going to send us out there if He's not pulling for somebody. So I was thinking, is He not pulling for them any longer? Like, was that, was that it for them? Was that their chance? Now that we're not going back out there, I don't see anybody else going back out there. So, uh, you know, I, I still I pray for those people, but if God says no more, then their chance is over with and done. Kind of like mine was when I sat on that back pew, right? He, he, he called me to come pray, and I rejected that, and I left. And it took like 18 years to feel that pulling and that calling again. So if you're here, and, or you're listening, and you're not saved, and, and God, he, He's going to do anything and everything He will, right? He's going to put you through something, yes. right? To try to get you to be saved, right? Wow. So if you're going through something, you don't know what it is, you don't know what's happening, God could very well be pulling for your soul. So don't reject that Spirit of God. Don't reject His pulling to come down here and pray and get right. I'm so thankful that, that He did give me that chance. And, and it was in my garage and I prayed all the way through and got saved. And it's been, it's been amazing. But I was thinking about those, those people out there, right? God could pull that away from them. And now they're just out there. They're drinking. They're partying. They're doing everything that they wanted to do. And God's just going to let them do it. Um, we got uh, the children. I think they're going to sing The Devil is a Sly Fox. I heard them up there. So, Jamie, if you will. All right. Stand up, Stand up. Let's try it. See you later. Does anybody remember what we learned about today? Moses. Moses. All right, that's it. All right, ready? The devil is a sly old fox. Good catch him, I put him in a box. That fox didn't throw away the key for all the dirty tricks he's played on me. I'm glad I got salvation. I'm glad I got salvation. I'm glad I got salvation. For trusting in the Lord, the devil is a sly old fox. If I could catch him, I'd put him in a box, lock that box, and throw away the key for all the dirty tricks he's played on me. I'm glad I got salvation. I'm glad I got salvation. I'm glad I got salvation. For trusting in the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank God. Um, I was saying, I was also, I think a lot about the Bible. I think about the Lord. I think about worshiping God and, and how we're supposed to do that, you know, in a church setting with the, the hands raised and, and being loud and all that great stuff. And I love it. But um, when I first got saved, you know, I thought that's all worship was. But then I learned that you can worship God all different types of ways. And one of those ways is giving, right? You can worship God in your giving. Right? It doesn't have to be just praising God and raising your hands or, or taking a lap or wherever you want to worship God. But you can worship God in your giving. So we're going to have um, Brother Otis come. And if, you, if you'd like to testify and pray for the offering, please. Well, I'm just... Uh, thankful to have salvation. I appreciate what the Lord has did for me in my life. He's been so good to me. And I've said before, I count it an honor. I count it a privilege. You know, the Lord don't expect you to just, I don't feel like just give every nickel you got. But if you just get, He just asks Jeff for a portion of it. Right. And the blessings, how God looks at yes, that. Yes, that's I, right. I don't, don't want to never have a separate spirit about me. I want to have a good spirit. Yes. Like yeah. talk about Abraham. You that's know, right. And how God honored His life. That's right. Well, uh, He asked me to, to get an offering, so. Bless you, Lord. You want to pray over the offering first? Oh. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Yes, thank you, Jesus. The way you bless, oh God, that we give. We thank you for our salvation. Yes, Lord. We appreciate your church, all of the people, and we ask you, Lord, to help them to give heartily. We pray. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Amen. I do appreciate him. The Lord has been so good to me kept us day by day and uh, I, I'm getting older every day I'm really reminded of it uh, you know when I some of you older ones will testify to this but Lord remind me about me getting older every move I make that's right but I do appreciate him he gives us grace and mercy to be able to move and to uh, be able to come and I do enjoy coming to the house of the Lord uh, uh, it looks like as far as this uh, pandemic that's been going on, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I hope it's not like my, my brother used to say. He said, I hope it's not a train. But uh, still, we are uh, looking and hopeful uh, for the end of that. And so everything you can do uh, to work to help us with that we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Teresa, if you would get us a song here this morning. And I want to just get in and see what God's got for us. Amen. You know, the Sunday school lesson for the men's, and I might add to some of you ladies and all that, we're, we're, we're moving away from the Sunday school literature. So this will be the last quarter, and I don't think Teresa's even using the Sunday school literature anymore. But um, the Sunday school literature this morning did have about compromise. And I want to tell you, folks, if you hold on for Christ, right. you're going to be different. Right. And in all honesty, when we go to work, there's times you've got to compromise. I'm not talking about your beliefs in serving God, but sometimes I used to go to a place and we had these people and they'd always go... She, in other words, telling me where I need to spray 
for bugs all the time, okay? And so, you know, they're the paying customer, so I, you know, but it had nothing to do with my salvation. That's right. Okay? But when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our beliefs in a holy God, in a righteous God, in a God that, that is against sin, we can't compromise on that. Yeah. And we're living in a day and an age where the, uh, what do they say? If the ends, in other words, are, if we do stuff, as long as it turns out okay, then it's okay to do. God's not for that. Okay? We're to do it God's way. We're to do it the right way. And I do appreciate the Lord. Uh, I want to testify to you. You can live right. And you can live holy in this present day. Amen. All right. This morning, I was in the kitchen cooking. Thank the Lord. And you know, the Lord began to deal with me, and I put on a song. It's not this song, but this song we're going to learn. Oh, I'm telling you, I about didn't get that dinner done. I mean, I just felt the Holy Ghost. I was trying to keep my tears out of my ham and all my good food. And I uh, just felt the Spirit of the Lord. And the Lord began to speak to me about some things that He's fixed to be working on. I was just making my cry out to Him and telling Him all about it. Not grumbling and complaining, but just worshiping Him. Worshiping Him. That it may be a trial. You may be going through something. But there is an expected end. There is an expected end. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord because He began to deal with me. He wouldn't have took me and put me in the middle of it. He didn't have it expected in. Right. He didn't have, and I'm not talking about me being the same when I come out. Right. I had a dream about one of my children about a week ago, and I thought it's so unusual and weird. But in my dream, one of my youngins was going to a medical doctor and said, and he said, I've tried everything. Can you do something to get this hole in this way out of my mind? Hmm. That was in my dream. Hmm. And my Michael said to him, You can't ever get it out of here. That's right. And I just danced. Yeah. I worship. That's right. Yeah. I worship God. Yeah. When it looks like there's no when it looks like there's no expected end. Amen. You know, the Lord let me know I'm a still a deal and I'm Amen. a still a pulling. And it may he may use sickness. He may use trials. Right. He may use you, uh, you, you losing all your money, whatever it may be. But if he brings us to that expected end, being right with him, having our names in his book, Amen. you know, and coming out of the trial, pure Gold. Yeah. I want to make it worship as we sing it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh. 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 Oh.
the Lord. presence of the Lord in our lives. And uh, our days have never been promised that it would always be easy. We've not been promised that that uh, everything would go our way. Uh, any preacher that preaches that type of message is a false prophet and false preacher because it is through adversity and it is through our troubles that we draw closer to God. And those people that you know have gone through adversity and troubles, and you know that they are farther away from God, well, you see those adversities were designed to draw them closer. But instead, they pushed away. And I appreciate the Lord I've had some rough knocks, Brother Steve, in my life. And you know what? I wouldn't ask the Lord to take any of them away from me. Because each and every problem, situation I've had has always drawn me closer to Him. Closer to Him. Let's get right on into the message here this morning. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. And... Um, uh, at first, I, while all this was going on, I thought, this, I don't know that this goes along, but I see where it fits now. And so, uh, Genesis chapter 37, and we'll start in verse 3. When you have it, say, Amen. Amen. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Yet the more. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this that You have recorded of Joseph's life. We thank You, Lord, for who Joseph is. And we thank You, Lord, for who You are in our lives, but especially in the life of Joseph. I pray, Lord, here this morning, would You come by and anoint us and help us, dear Lord, to bring forth these words, these... these uh, uh, leadings that you've given to me lord through the the last couple of days and i pray lord that you would touch hearts and lives yeah. help us lord to realize lord that that all the things that come to us lord you've loved us and you're the one that's allowed it to come help me lord here this morning to preach your word speak through yeah. us here lord we pray in your blessed and holy and righteous and wonderful name that name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> um, Jacob, Laban, Rachel, 
Leah. Love. Hatred. Favor. Jealousy. Father. Brothers. Dreams. Bitterness. Pit. Camels. Slavery. Trust. Wife. Jail. Butler. Baker. Prison. Palace. Plenty. Famine. Brothers. Benjamin. Grain. Goblet. Danger. Redemption. Forgiveness. Prosperity. <laughs> These words describe a single life. The life of Joseph. And uh, these words, really and truly, through them, there's a, the majority of them are really rough words, hard words. And so, in these verses, we see really the struggle of a common life here. We see an older father who has a son of his favorite wife. Now, that's not common for today. <laughs> okay? But we do have an older father and he has a, a son of his favorite wife and he favors this particular youth. Never mind that his other chil children are good children, but he shows uh, that extra love to this one child. Gives him a coat of many colors. This action is just one that mentions um, this action is just one uh, that's mentioned here, but there are many others that cause Joseph's brothers to hate him. Let me make just a short comment right here to parents. Don't show favoritism. Don't do it. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your siblings. It will destroy their life. Uh, don't show favoritism. The reality is, parents, there is always one that's special. But if you don't want your other youngins to hate that one, you can't show partiality. Don't do it. It causes so much problems. And here in these Scriptures, we see that uh, um, all these things that Joseph uh, or Jacob did for his son Joseph caused hatred with, with the other children. And then, 17 years old, getting up in age, then we see that as a young man, he begins to have dreams. He is self-assured. Maybe in his brother's eyes, even somewhat of uh, a little bit of arrogance in his eyes. And, uh, and so in the story that I want to remind you about today, we see these civil sibling rivalries and how it seems like they come to produce a plot to destroy this source of irritation and discomfort. You know the saying, blood's thicker than water? Amen. 
Ketchup's thicker than uh, grape juice. What does that have to do? What matter? Huh? It doesn't matter anything. I've always heard in my life, blood's thicker than water. It is thicker than water. But I can tell you, sometimes those things that go on within a family, many times can uh, uh, bring such hatred uh, of one particular one in the family that it's pitiful what happens. Uh, I've seen where there have been times that maybe uh, even some of the parents would get involved. Maybe uh, a wife and uh, some of the other youngins get upset with the father and a particular favorite child there because of that favoritism. And that's what was going on here uh, in this story of Joseph. And so there are times, parents, I want you to know, your si- the siblings of your children can sometimes be the cruelest of everyone there. Huh? Especially when they think that that one needs a lesson and that they feel like they are obligated to teach that lesson. Cruelty. And so, here Joseph's brothers strip him in time. When they see him coming as their father had sent to check on uh, the other brothers, they see him coming and they strip him and cast him into a pit and they plot his death. They thought best to say, uh, some have, I'm sorry, they thought best to say that the beast had eaten him. And then they turned around and they, uh, they sold him to merchants to be sold as a slave. Can we stop right now? I'd like for us, if we would, to pray for uh, Kathy. Dear Lord Jesus, we ask and pray right now, Lord, that You would touch Kathy. Move for her in her body right now, Lord. We, are, we do not know what's going on with her, but Lord, You know. And Lord, there's a purpose in all things. But Lord, right now we pray, bring a healing. Bring a healing, Lord Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'll be right back. So their brothers in Genesis thirty-seven twenty-six through twenty-eight said, and. Uh, Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brother, brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph in to Egypt. That's one way to get rid of your brother. That's one way to forget about him. And uh, and I want to keep pointing back to these two verses here. It was verse 4, the latter part, said, and they hated him, talking about his brethren, and could not speak peaceably unto him. 
And then the next verse it said, um, when he had told them a dream, they ha- hated him yet the more. This young man was being persecuted. He was being uh, really uh, uh, put down. He was going through a hard time in life. And there's some of you right here, you might say, I've gone through some of that. I've had some of that. Huh? Maybe, hopefully not near as bad as this. But you, you may have gone through some civil rivalries. And so Joseph, he might have thought that his life was adventurous trying to dodge his brother's tricks and, and uh, cruelty and sneers that they were given to him. But oh, his adventure was just getting started. He was sold to Potiphar, the guard of the uh, of Pharaoh, the captain of the guards uh, at Pharaoh. And uh, he uh, moved quickly up the ladder working for Pharaoh as a slave. Let me ask you something. Would you move up quickly if you were a slave? Were you working? <clears throat> he moves up the ladder quickly. Amen. Till within just a short period of time, Potiphar realizes everything Joseph does for him blesses him, blesses Potiphar. And that his hands and things are increased because of him. Joseph is doing a good job. And so Potiphar makes him second only unto himself in the household. He's in control of all the money, in control of all the slaves, in control of all that's going on there. Amen. But then Potiphar's wife gets an eye on him. And, and Joseph, very wisely, runs from Potiphar's wife. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, folks. When the devil is getting close to you, run. You aren't, you're not strong enough to handle temptation. You are not strong enough to handle such things. Run! Amen. If it's coming through uh, a cell phone, throw it out the window. Amen. If it's coming through a, a computer screen, get rid of it. Amen. Run from that temptation. Run from that person that's coming at the wrong hours of the night. Run. And so Joseph ran. And so in that, he pleased the Lord. He helped his his uh, wife, I'm sorry, he, he helped his relationship with the, the Lord Jesus, but in the process of it, he lost his job and he lost his freedom. Did you know doing the right thing toward God is going to cost you in this world? Amen. Come on. Is it more important to keep a job or to please God? Amen. Amen. I want to please Him. And so, Joseph gets thrown in jail. But, again, when the, the master of the jail begin, uh, gets him to sweep the floors, hello, it's the best the floors have ever been swept since that jail, jail, jailer has been there. Whenever he turns and tells him to clean out the, uh, the latrine, it's never been so clean as when Joseph took care of it. Hello? Whenever he gave him uh, to come by and to make sure all of the locks of, of the cells were well oiled, never had them been fixed as good as when Joseph did it. And so in time, the jailer just turned running of the jail over 
to Joseph. He could be trusted. He was a good man. He was able to do what was needed. And so here, uh, he, he got, came up and up. And so within time, as you know the story, uh, the butler and the baker both have a dream, but actually both of them end up having opposite means of the dream. The butler, he has his head lifted up back to his old job working for Pharaoh. And the baker has his head lifted up off of his shoulders. Okay? And so, then there's time and Pharaoh has a dream and and, uh, things work about that Joseph goes and interprets a dream for Pharaoh of the seven plenteous years and the seven years of famine. And the years begin to pass kind of quickly. Amen. And Joseph is moved right up and now he's not the second of Potiphar's house and he's not the second of the jail. Now he's only second in the country. The most powerful man. Adversity. I want you to remember now his children, I'm sorry, his brothers and sisters hated him. They did him cruelly. They were unkind to him. Um, And really and truly, I'd ask you, how would you treat your conniving, two-faced, cruel, heartless pieces of humanity all the heartache and pain that they caused Joseph? What would you have done with him? Huh? All of us are going to have great disappointments in our lives. All of us are going to be mistreated. And I want to tell you something. There are two types of mistreatment. The one type is where they are talking about you. And they are shunning you. And they are not treating you right. That's one type. And then the other type is your imagination. Where you think they're mistreating you, but they're not. And so if the devil can't get somebody to mistreat you, then he'll get you to think you're being mistreated. Well, but they're not being friendly to me. Are you being friendly to them? Huh? But, but they didn't shake my hand or smile at me. Did you shake their hand and smile at them? Hello? As the old saying goes, uh, there, uh, that streak goes two ways. Amen. And a lot of times, those uh, uh, ideas you have about other people that the devil puts in your heart that they don't try, they're not being nice to me. They're mistreating me. A lot of times it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in because you help egg it on. When that other person reaches out to you, you turn your head and think, they don't mean that. Hello? I want to tell you something about Joseph. Joseph at an early age came into the knowledge of the God of his father, Jacob. And of the God of his grandfather, Isaac. And of the God of his great-grandfather, Abraham. 
And it wasn't just a, a, a hearing about it. He had a personal relationship with Him. Amen. Now in the Old Testament, they didn't call Him Jesus. They just called Him Lord. Jehovah. But He met with them. Maybe not like Abraham did and where he saw them face to face personally. But at least in dreams, the Lord revealed Himself to jo uh, Joseph and Joseph knew who the Lord was. Can I tell you something, youngins? All of you youngins here, even some of you older ones, you've got things. Life decisions that you are making will either lead you closer to God or farther away from God. I hadn't uh, been married but just a couple of years and I had an opportunity to uh, go to work for a manufacturer out of Minnesota. And uh, I, my intent was to take it. I would have been like 25 years old, making sixty or $70,000 a year plus bonus and travel expenses. And now this is back in, in the 80s, folks. Big money. But when I started finding out what's required of me, well, you won't be home during the week. What do you mean? You're going to be traveling. That's what we're hiring you for. You're a representative. You're to go from state to state to state. You're going to be away from your family. Sometimes you may be away two to three weeks at a time. And the man that was talking to me, his name was John, he had told me several times about his three previous wives. Three. Come on. And I decided I think I'm going to stay here at home. The money's not as good. The prospects are not as good. But I love the Lord. Amen. And I love my wife and children. I had another opportunity. And I really needed a good opportunity. Uh, Jeffrey, I, I looked into going over to uh, Kuwait to spray bugs. Huh? <laughs> three months. I think it was in three months you'd make like $40,000. That's big money. I said, well, that's good. What about Sundays? Oh, you work. Oh, I do. Yeah, you work 12 hours every day, seven days a week for the entire time you're over there. I close that up. I'm not going. Hello. Joseph knew the Lord. And though he had been uprooted out of his family, taken to a strange land, he knew the Lord. And he held fast to the confidence he had in the Lord. And so, there came a point in time, as you know, that Joseph's brothers and family came before him. How would you have treated him? Well, you know, Joseph did play a couple of tricks on him. He did, didn't he? Could have gone a lot worse, couldn't it? 
He could have sent food back to his dad and to his younger brother and had all these others killed. Hello? But he didn't do that. There came a point in the time when he revealed himself to his brothers. And they didn't know that he knew what they were talking about. But when they got in such bad trouble, a couple of them said, I told you we shouldn't have done that to the lad. I told you we shouldn't have treated that boy so bad. I told you we shouldn't have been so cruel. And so, Joseph, his heart was tender toward them. And in Genesis chapter 45, 4 through 7, it said, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be uh, earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you, you a prosperity in the earth, and to save your lives by great deliverance. Joseph had forgiven his brothers. When? When did he forgive them? Did he forgive them just when they, right at this point? No. He forgave them years before. Because God dealt with him. You see, we must learn to forgive others. To forgive others others I had a whole bunch of scriptures that at one point I was going to go through each one of them but I've done that several times and and so instead I wanted to talk to us just here I, I do have a scripture from uh, Mark 11 25 and 26 said and when ye stand praying forgive if ye have aught against any that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespass. If you have ought. Actual or imagined. They really did do something. They really didn't do something. Oh, I'll probably get in trouble right here, right now. But the thought crossed my mind. And thank the Lord I haven't heard from anybody. But, uh, you know, we had the little fish fry Thursday. I'm sure somebody got missed. I'm sure. And so when they hear this, they'll say, you didn't call me. Come on. Though we tried to call everybody. Huh? I'm sure there'll be somebody. And they'll think, yeah, well, they just don't like me. They just don't care about me. Have you ever tried to herd cats? Huh? It's impossible. You can't herd cats. You can barely get one cat to do what you want to do sometimes. 
Huh? Can I tell you, pastoring a church is somewhat like herding cats. At times, I think, wow, they got it. Wow, they understand. And then I turn around and think, what happened? What happened? Huh? We've got to forgive others. Amen. Doesn't matter how they hurt you. You know who hurts you the worst? You know the one that really hurts your heart the very worst? The one you love the most. That person riding down the road and they just lean out and think, I'll never come to your church. It's like, you probably don't go to no church anyway. Huh? But the one you love the most, I ain't coming to church. You think, oh wow. Really? Really? Wow. So whose fault is it when a person quits church? Huh? Is it the person that said something to them that maybe was too sharp? Or there have been times things have been said that the person didn't even know anything was going on. But that other person thought, somebody's told them about me. Come on. And so they lay out of church. And they quit. Who is it that needs to forgive? Huh? I remember asking a person, Oh, I couldn't tell you how many years ago now. A long time ago. Said they were going to quit church. And I said to them, what did Jesus do to you? They answered, nothing. Nothing. And so you're going to quit? Jesus? No, I'm just quitting the church. The church is the bride of Christ. We're to be part of the church. Amen. We're to be in His church. Amen. And we're to love Him. Um, i got just a few minutes. Teresa be coming and getting us a song. I want to tell you one little story here. It was in a church in Munich where this particular person was speaking in 1947 that I saw him. A balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visor capped with its skull and crossbones. Memories of the concentration camp came back with a rush. The huge room... Uh, with its hush overhead uh, lights and pathetic piles of dresses and, and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath uh, the parchment of skin. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our homes during the Nazi occupation of Holland. 
This man had been a guard at Ravensbrook uh, concentration camp where we were sent. Yeah. Now he is in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. It was the first time since I, uh, my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravenbrook's, uh, Ravensbrook in your talk. He said, I was a guard there. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? I stood there and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, held a hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespass. Still, I stood there in the coldness, clutching my heart, but forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. As I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm sprang into our joint hands, joint, I'm sorry, joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Do we need to forgive? We must. It's so easy for us, so easy for us to keep those little things. And those little things then grow into big things. And all along, it's causing us to go farther and farther away from our Lord. Can I entreat you here, right now? Forgive. 
forgive. Let it go. Let it pass. Show the love of God. I can never get away from that one Scripture. It may be my imagination the way that I imagine it, but that Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 